Hello everybody, Happy New Year, Happy 2024. Uh, our prayer for you is that all would go well with you this year and that uh, you would walk right in the middle of God's will and that God's blessings would be upon your life. Well, I'm going to start out the new year by quoting a scripture that's a favorite, a favorite scripture of many and a good, good way to start out the new year. So we love God's word, don't we? And that's that's our foundation. That's uh, where we base uh, what we believe. Um, that's where we get our life and our strength and our healing. So we love God's word. This is Jeremiah 29, 11. And when I read it, a lot of people will recognize it because it's a really popular scripture. This is out of the NIV Bible. <clears throat> it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future. I'm going to read that again. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. <clears throat> have you heard this scripture before? I imagine most of you have. <clears throat> this scripture is one of the most recognized, uh, quoted, and also merchandised scriptures in the Bible. And what do I mean by merchandised? I mean, uh, People put it on all kinds of things. Um, so I'm going to give you some examples. Coffee mugs and tea mugs. Um, cross necklaces. <laughs> Pens have that scripture on them. Pillows. <laughs> Pillows with the scripture on it. Uh, wall art. Bracelets. So all kinds of things. It's all over the place. Journals. Gift bags. <laughs> it's, if you haven't seen this scripture before, uh, you're missing out on a lot of stuff. Keychains. And even t-shirts, sweatshirts hats and all kinds of things to wear. So this scripture is really, really popular. A lot of people know it. And a lot of people really, really draw a lot of comfort from this scripture uh, because it's a promise of the Lord. Um, but do we really, really know what the scripture means? Uh, who said it? Who was it said to? Um, what, are, what is the context that it was said in? You know, when we really, really know all these things, I'll guarantee you that we will have a deeper and uh, just an awesome, awesome understanding of uh, God's love, his forgiveness, his long-suffering, and it's almost unfathomable how much God loves us and how wonderful he is to us. So thinking about this particular scripture, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, um, I want you to imagine that uh, a news reporter is interviewing a prominent person for 40 years straight. Then that news person takes one sentence from the 40 year long interview of that person to relay everything that that person said. Well, that wouldn't give you a clear picture of that person's history, their life, what they believe, what influenced them about their family about what they liked or didn't like. Isn't that right? You know, one sentence in 40 years. I would hate for someone to take one sentence of mine out of 40 years of my life to represent who I am. 
because one sentence can never really, really represent a person and, and tell you the whole story. And that's what you have with Jeremiah 29, 11. In some ways, it does summarize the whole book, but in other ways, it's taken out of context. And it's one sentence in 40 years of messages from the Lord. So when we take just one sentence, it can really cheapen our view of God, our view of his love, our view of his judgment, our view of his grace, our view that he can have fierce, fierce, fierce anger and, and, and wonderful, wonderful forgiveness. And we don't, if we don't know the whole story, we don't really grasp how awesome and wonderful Jeremiah 29, 11 is. So just as, you know, kind of, kind of a context, the book of Jeremiah is 52 chapters long. It has 1,364 verses and 32,982 words. So taking this one verse alone does not really give us any clue what God is communicating in this whole book to his people. And we want to know, we want to know the full story of what God's trying to tell us. So I want to ask you a question. Have you ever seen any other verses from Jeremiah on t-shirts or hats or, or uh, you know, bracelets or pens? No, I never have. I never have seen that. So ask yourself a question. Why? I think that you'll be able to answer that question when we're done to know why that verse sticks out and why we don't really hear about any of the verses because a lot of it has to do with our own human nature. So let's get started. Let's read it again. Jeremiah 29, 11. This is out of the NIV. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. How much better can it be than that, that God has plans for his people, hopeful plans, plans that are full of hope and full of a future, plans to bless us and help us. Um, but what we don't know a lot of times is that wonderful, precious, awesome promise is right smack dab in the middle of awesome, terrible, horrible, uh, just unmentionable judgment of God that is coming on the people of Israel and has come upon the people, I should say, of Judah, um, including famine, war, and captivity. So that's quite a shocker to a lot of people that, that right in the middle of that promise, God is basically uh, destroying his own people. So, like I said, most people don't know that this wonderful, lovely, faith-filled promise of Jeremiah 29, 11 is found in one of the scariest, scariest uh, books of the Bible where it talks about God's anger, his fury, his wrath, his judgment, m m probably more than any other book in the Bible. It's just a scary, scary book, but it's also full of hope and full of promises. So in the book of Jeremiah, it talks about the people of God uh, had turned away from him. They were no longer serving him. They were his precious covenant people, and they no longer regarded him as the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He was not the person that they were serving. The kings, the priests, and the prophets, for the most part, had all turned away from God. And not in just a, a 
uh, a small way. They turned away in a horrible, horrible way. They practiced horrible sins and they led the people of Judah uh, into idol worship, adultery. Uh, they'd forsaken God. They no longer looked for, to God as their source of living water. Uh, there was prostitution, child sacrifice. Uh, the prophets were making up prophecies to make people feel comfortable in their sin. Um, God called the sins of Judah worse than the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. They were wicked. They were liars. They were deceitful. They were thieves. They were murderers. And, and these are all things that God called them in the book of Jeremiah. <clears throat> so it wasn't just kind of, you know, uh, a little thing they were doing. They were full, full, full of sin. So the prophet Jeremiah was sent by God to call God's people in Judah back to God. Now Judah was called, at that time, it was called the Southern Kingdom. There was a Northern Kingdom, which was called Israel, and then there was a Southern Kingdom, which was called Judah. So Jeremiah was talking to Judah. He was sent to call God's people back to God to repentance and to warn them of the impending horrible judgment that was awaiting for them if they didn't repent. Um, and God over and over again reminds the people of Judah how much he loves them and cares for them and wants the best for them. So during these 40 years that Jeremiah at the hand of God warned the people of God, he was hated he was persecuted, he was imprisoned, he was ignored, he was banished, and he was ultimately killed. Isn't that sad? That's just heartbreaking. Um, during this time, God, through Jeremiah, warns Judah of the fact, or reminds them of the fact that their, their, their northern counterpart, Israel, the ten tribes of Israel, uh, we're cast, we're already judged, we're already cast out of his sight for the same sins that Judah was committing. And they were taken captive uh, by the Assyrian army. So they could see it right in front of their eyes. They could see, God was telling them, this is the way they acted. This is the sin that they were in. I asked them, to, I commanded them to repent. I warned them to repent. And if they didn't repent, judgment was coming. And so they didn't repent, judgment came, and now they're captives of the Assyrians. And he told that to the people of Judah. The people of Judah did not listen. They just closed their, uh, closed their minds, closed their eyes, closed their hearts to the Lord. So God's appeal to the people of Judah to repent totally and completely failed. So he pronounced judgment upon them. And that judgment included an invasion by the Babylonian uh, empire headed by King Nebuchadnezzar. I'm sure some of you have heard of him before. And not only that, there would be all kinds of devastation and their lands would be given to others. <clears throat> God told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 5.1, Jeremiah 5.1 in the New Living Translation, it says, run up and down every street in Jerusalem, says the Lord. Look high and low, search through the city. If you can find even one just and honest person, I will not destroy the city. Oh, that sounds like Sodom and Gomorrah, doesn't it? But Jeremiah could not find one. He could not find one honest person in Jerusalem that uh, 
And if he could find one person that was honest or, or willing to repent, the whole city, all of Judah would have been saved. Jeremiah, rightfully so, was totally and completely broken over the fate of God's people because they were his people too. And Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet because he cried and cried and cried and he was so sorrowful about the sins of God's people and their refusal to repent and the knowledge that God was going to judge them. They were doomed. God's people Jeremiah's people were doomed, and he, Jeremiah loved these people, but they would not repent. And Jeremiah tried to intercede for the people of Judah. He tried to pray for them, and God would not allow him to. In Jeremiah 7, 16, in the New Living Translation, before I read this, I want to encourage us all to look at our own, our own selves. We never want to get to the place where uh, prayers don't work for us. We don't want to get so far away that we've closed our hearts so far from the Lord that God doesn't even want people to pray for us anymore. That is pretty bad. Um, Jeremiah seven sixteen in the New Living Translation, God is saying to Jeremiah, pray no more for these people, Jeremiah. Do not weep or pray for them and don't beg me to help them for I will not listen to you. See, God's not going to listen to prayers for these people anymore because they're so far gone. Verse 17, don't you see that they are doing uh, what they are doing throughout the towns of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? No wonder I am so angry. Remember earlier I told you uh, that this is one of the scariest books of the Bible. God talks about his own anger over and over and over again in this Bible, how angry he is. And I know in this day and age, you know, that's not talked about at all, that God can become angry, that he can become furious with us. And thank God for the blood of Jesus that, that you know, uh, washes away our sins. But, but we have to understand that God does not like sin and he hates sin. He becomes furious when people will not repent and serve him. So let's go on. Uh, verse 17, don't you see what they are doing throughout the towns of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? No wonder I am so angry. Watch how the children gather wood and the fathers build sacrificial fires. See how the women knead dough and make cakes to offer the queen of heaven. Now in these scriptures, he's talking about idol worship and also child sacrifice. Are they, uh, and they pour out liquid offerings to their other idol gods. Am I the one they are hurting, asked the Lord? Most of all, they hurt themselves to their own shame. So, so when you don't serve God, you're not hurting God so much as you're hurting your own self and you're destroying yourself. Verse 20, so this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will pour out my terrible fury on this place. Its people, its animals, trees, and crops will be consumed by the unquenchable fire of my anger. Did you know that was in the Bible? Did you know that was in the same book that says, uh, I have plans for you, my people, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. But there's two sides to the story that God did destroy these people. He didn't kill them all, but they were their, their livelihood, their, their uh, houses, their uh, jobs, their families, it was all destroyed because they would not repent and they wanted to live in sin and they wanted to worship idols. 
Jeremiah 15, 1, uh, Jeremiah 15, 1 in the NIV, it says, Then the Lord said to me, Even if Moses and Samuel were to stand before me, my heart would not go out to these people. So this is talking about how these people can't be prayed for anymore. See, Moses and Samuel interceded for the people of God. But God is telling Jeremiah, you can't intercede for these people. They've closed their hearts to me too long. Then the Lord said to me, even if Moses and Samuel were to stand before me, my heart would not go out to these people. Send them away from my presence. Let them go. And if they ask, where shall we go? Tell them, this is what the Lord says. You are destined for death to death. Those destined to death to death. Those for the sword to the sword. Those for starvation to starvation. Those for captivity to captivity. He's talking to his own people, the people of God. He's talking to them and telling them death, the sword, starvation, and captivity because they would not serve him. They would not follow him. <clears throat> over and over again in the book of Jeremiah, we see that God is very, very angry with the people of Judah. Um, you might find other words in your translations like God's fury or his wrath, but he is not happy with his people. He's had enough. The time has come for judgment to come on the people of God. And I don't want to be anywhere around where God's judgment is falling because it's not a good thing. Uh, Jeremiah 6, verse 10. Jeremiah 6, 10, it says, To whom can I speak and give warning? Who will listen to me? Their ears are closed so they cannot hear. The word of the Lord is offensive to them. And I have found that to be true uh, in a lot of cases that people don't want to hear what the Bible really says. Even the words of Jesus, like the words of Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, people don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that we're to love everybody, even people that we disagree with or people of a, a different political party, or heaven forbid that we love an immigrant. You know, uh, the Bible commands us to love them too, and people do not want to hear that. So the word of the Lord can become offensive to them. When we preach the word of God, people have become very angry with us because they're offended by the holy word of God. They're offended by the words of Jesus. So their ears are closed so they cannot hear. The word of the Lord is offensive to them. They find no pleasure in it. Oh, my Lord, we, we need to find pleasure in the word of God. These people found no pleasure in the word of God. Verse 11, but I am full of the wrath of the Lord, and I cannot hold it in. But if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. You know, I didn't realize when I, because I've heard this scripture for many years, I didn't realize that the fire he was talking about was talking about the fury and the anger of the Lord. You know, when I was a teenager, we sang this song, uh, just like fire shut up in my bones, just like fire shut up in my bones. Um, I'm saved and sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, just like fire shut up in my bones. But that word, that song was based on this scripture in Jeremiah, but it was taken out of context. If we, were, if we knew we were singing about God's horrible and awesome and, and terrible judgment, we probably wouldn't have been singing that so, so excited and so happily. So it's important to know the context of, of 
uh, the scriptures that you're talking about in the word of God. So we're going to go on in verse 13. From the least to the greatest, all are greedy for gain. <clears throat> Prophets and priests alike all practice deceit. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. They are ashamed of their loath are they ashamed of their loathsome conduct? No, they have no shame at all, and they do not even know how to blush. So they will fall among the fallen. They will be brought down when I punish them, says the Lord. Those are some scary words, don't you think? Very, very, very scary words. Jeremiah, and the reason I'm reading these is I'm trying to give you context for Jeremiah 29:11, Give you the whole story because I know that you all love the word and you like to hear the whole story. And, and by the time I'm done, you'll see how wonderful Jeremiah 29:11 is. Okay, Jeremiah 21, 5. In the NIV, Jeremiah 21, 5 in the NIV. I myself will fight against you. God is going to fight against the people of Judah. I don't want to hear that from the Lord, do you? But God was telling the people of Judah, his own people, that he was going to fight against them. With an outstretched hand and a mighty arm, in anger and fury and great wrath, I will strike down those who live in this city. He was talking about Jerusalem both men and animals, and they will die of a terrible plague. <clears throat> People don't like to hear that. <laughs> People don't like to uh, know that side of God. But he is an awesome God. He's, he's, uh, uh, he's a holy God. And he doesn't want his people uh, worshiping Baal and the Asherah and, and the sun god and the queen of heaven and all these things these false gods and, and lying and cheating and stealing and committing adultery and, and just doing every kind of evil thing, he doesn't want that for his people and he expects better. He expects us to live in covenant with him. He expects us to walk holy. Um, verse seven, after that, after all those horrible things, after uh, dying of a terrible plague, striking down the men and women and, and the animals, after that, declares the Lord, I will hand over Zedekiah, the king of Judah, who is a very evil king, his officials and the people in the city who survived the plague, sword and famine, to Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and to their enemies who seek their lives. He will put them to the sword. He will show no mercy or pity or compassion. This is where the people of Judah were destined because they refused to repent. And repentance can be a really easy thing, or for a lot of people, it's a really, 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 really hard thing to admit you're wrong. And I find it's uh, especially hard for religious people to admit they're wrong because uh, religious people think they're right. <laughs> it's a very simple, simplified answer to that. So the people of Judah were taken into captivity by the Babylonians for 70 years, 70 years. During this captivity is where this famous, well-loved scripture comes in. So, you know, I encourage you, I beg you, I plead with you to read this whole book, the book of Jeremiah, and read the whole chapter, Jeremiah 29. It's, uh, it's so important, and it's so 
the whole book is just, to me, it is just jaw dropping. And it makes you really evaluate yourself, think about your own life, and, and put your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So I'm going to read uh, from Jeremiah 29 again, but I'm going to start a little bit earlier than verse 11. I'm going to start in verse 8. And I think you will be shocked at, at where in this uh, story Jeremiah 20, 11 come, 29, 11 comes in. So we're going to start in verse 8. This is what the Lord of heaven's army, armies, the God of Israel, says. And this is out of the New Living Translation. Do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they are telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. And I want to tell you right now, and I think I'm going to cover this next week, more about the book of Jeremiah and the problem, the desperate, dire, overwhelming problem that the people that called themselves God's prophets were to the people of Judah. Um, they were speaking, they were saying, the Lord is saying, the Lord is saying, God is saying, I prophesy this, I prophesy that, I prophesy the other. In God's name, the people believed them because they were saying things that the people liked to hear. And the prophets were, were making sure that everything they said was making the people happy, making them comfortable in their sin, making them, uh, making them just just feel all oogly woogly, as as we would say. Um, but God did not send them, and this is a very scary thing because it's still happening today. Um, the number, if you just look at Jude at the time of Jeremiah. Um, there were hundreds of prophets, people that called themselves prophets, that were false prophets. And we have a record, I think, in the book of Jeremiah, or in the time of Jeremiah, of three uh, prophets that were actually speaking God's word. <clears throat> One you'll find in the book of Second Kings, that was a woman that was talking to Josiah, King Josiah, who was a good king. And then you have Jeremiah, and then a contemporary of Jeremiah's, and I don't have his name, but he was killed for speaking the truth. So real prophets, real prophets of God are generally not liked because they are calling people to repentance. False prophets usually have great big gigantic followings because they're telling people what they want to hear. So just, just be careful. Just be careful engage everything according to the word of God. And a lot of times if you don't know the word of God and you're not holding that continually before you, you're very easily uh, sucked into the vortex of these prophets. <clears throat> Especially if they're telling you reinforcing things that you want to hear. So <clears throat> these priests and false prophets kept telling the people before the captivity that nothing was going to happen, everything was going to be just fine, everything was cool, don't worry about anything. <clears throat> and then they were taken into captivity in Assyria. So when they got into captivity, the false prophets were saying, don't worry, it's no problem, we're only going to be in captivity for two years, it's no problem. <clears throat> Jeremiah was saying, it's 70 years, 
They didn't like Jeremiah. They beat him. They imprisoned him. They, they, they disdained him. They talked bad about him. But he was the one telling the truth. So verse 10, this is what the Lord says. You will be in captivity for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. So again, verse 10, this is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. That is the love of God. We can't comprehend that. I can't comprehend that. That these people were so, 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 so horrible, but God still had a plan for them. They had to be punished. Some of them died. Some of them had to be destroyed. They had to go through terrible hardship. But God said, you will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. Verse 11, this is our scripture. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Isn't God wonderful? He's just so wonderful. In verse 12, in those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and bring you home again to your own land. Isn't God wonderful? And this is the whole story of the Bible. And it culminates in Jesus Christ that God judges sin. He cannot tolerate sin. Um, but he has a plan for us. He has a plan for to get us out of our own problems. Isn't he wonderful? And so we go on. Right in the middle of all this was that wonderful promise of God. But now back to the way the people are. Verse 15. You claim that the Lord has raised up prophets for you in Babylon. But this is what the Lord says about the king who sits on David's throne and all those still living there in Jerusalem, your relatives who were not exiled with you in Babylon. See, not everybody was taken to Babylon. It says that some of the leaders and some of the poorest of the poor were left in Jerusalem. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. I will send war, famine, and disease upon them and make them like bad figs, too rotten to eat. Yes, I will pursue them with war, famine, and disease, and I will scatter them around the world. In every nation where I send them, I will make them an object of damnation, horror, contempt, and mockery. For they refuse to listen to me, though I have spoken to them repeatedly through the prophets. One of those is Jeremiah, <laughs> the prophets I sent. And you who are in exile have not listened either, says the Lord. So the Lord is reiterating the judgment. The judgment is coming. The judgment is coming. You're <laughs> You know, you won't listen, you won't listen. This is what's going to happen. But in the midst of all this, I still have a plan for you. You know, I think about that. God has a plan for you. Are you derailing it by your sinful life? Are you walking in his plan for your life? We need to look at that. And uh, to walk in God's plan for our life, we have to obey him. We have to walk holy. We have to have faith in the Lord. So, um... 
we look at this and, and we, we think, did you know that this wonderful scripture that we're talking about is surrounded and encompassed and encircled by God's fierce anger and his judgment? Did you know that this scripture that's on t-shirts and hats and keychains is accompanied by damnation, famine, death, disease, and captivity? Those are always the results of skin, sin. But God, but God wants to bless mankind. But mankind keeps rebelling against God. God holds out hope for the future, for our future, and holds us, gives us a promise of deliverance. And that deliverance comes through Jesus Christ, the Messiah. In Jeremiah 23, verse 5, in the New Living Translation, Jeremiah 23, verse 5, it says, For the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He will be a king who rules with wisdom. He will do what is just and right throughout the land. And his name will be, uh, and this will be his name, the Lord our righteousness. In that day, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. Remember I talked about the two kingdoms? He's making provision for both kingdoms that they will be saved and live in safety. And that salvation extends to Gentiles too. Not only is Judah saved, but Israel saved and all of mankind if we put our faith in this promised deliverer, Jesus Christ. Do you remember uh, when Jesus was born? What the angel said in, in the second chapter of Luke, Luke, it says, And suddenly there was an angel, with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. You know, God has goodwill toward mankind. He has goodwill. Um, God has always had a plan to reconcile sinful man to himself. He wants, he loves us so much. Um, if he was human, he'd just, you know, destroy us and forget about it. But he's God and he has a love that we cannot even fathom. In Romans 5, 6, in the New Living Translation, Romans 5, 6, it says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. You know, we see throughout the Old Testament you know, starting with Adam and Eve and their sin and the times of Noah and the, the Israelites in the desert, the things that they did. And we just see, and we see in the time of Jeremiah, all the sins of the people just over and over and over again. And we see in our own lives how we've sinned and turned against God. God always wants to reconcile mankind to himself. So when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Aren't you glad that this, all that judgment and condemnation we saw in the book of Jeremiah, that through Jesus Christ we're saved by it? You know, we deserve all that, but through Jesus Christ we are saved by it. 
For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. <clears throat> you know, it'd be really good if in the book of Jeremiah, those people had a desire to be a friend of God. I have a desire to be a friend of God and I can be a friend of God because of the blood of Jesus Christ and putting my faith in him as my Lord and Savior. Colossians 1.21 says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. What is the gospel? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We have hope in Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. So if we look back at the book of Jeremiah, the theme of the book is Jehovah's unchanging undying love for his sinful backslidden people God's sorrow over their condition and his hope and plan for a future and that hope is manifest in Jesus Christ I haven't you know in, in what I've done today I haven't even come close to scratch the surface surface of what is in the book of Jeremiah so like I said before I beg you to read it and studying it uh, every time I've read this book so many times in my life and every single time I read it my jaw just drops open and it just it just the book astonishes me and I encourage you to read it from the beginning to the end so just as a review Jeremiah 29 11 God is saying I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans, plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future and that hope and that future and that promise all are found in Jesus Christ, the wonderful, wonderful gift of Jesus Christ and salvation through him. And through that, we have peace to God. God has peace with us. We have peace with him. And, and God is showing his goodwill to mankind because of Jesus Christ. So if you've never, if you've never experienced this, if you've never repented your sin, of your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ, this judgment, God, God, you know, has judgment in store for you. But if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, repent of your sins, and trust in the blood of Jesus Christ that, that washes away those sins, you'll be saved and you'll experience this new life that God has for you. So I just encourage you to do that. And I encourage you to uh, listen on Sunday morning for Pastor Terry's message on Sunday. And I think next Wednesday I'll talk more about the book of Jeremiah because it is just so intriguing and it talks so much over and over and over and over again about the kings and the prophets misleading the people and the people uh, falling into damnation and, and just horrible things. Uh, and that's one of the contributing factors. So I think I might talk about that next week. We'll see. So I'll look forward to seeing you. And like I said at the beginning, Happy New Year. I hope your year is absolutely wonderful. God bless you. Bye-bye.